Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, guys. First of all, you're gonna notice this isn't the normal setup here. We're not in the studio. I'm literally laying out in a hammock <laughs> because it's just a beautiful day outside, and I got a whole bunch of work to do later today. Actually, like right now. Um, but that's something on my mind and my heart that uh, I wanted to share, and so we're gonna just do this as we're rolling here. Um, you notice also I have not shaved or, you know, taken a shower or anything. So, forgive me. Um, but I just wanted to address uh, something. I want to say this very clearly. I want to say this with um, great conviction. I want to make it really clear to everybody that's involved with uh, what we're doing here and, and the mission that we're on um, is, first of all, this has this whole uh, manhood movement, this return to Christian masculinity. Don't you dare ever let it be about men versus women okay this is um, an effort to help men be the men that God created them to be to fit back into our role as God created us in the garden as as God equipped Adam to fulfill his role so that women um, around us can fulfill their role as God has ordained them uh, one of the biggest issues in the world we live in today, particularly when we're talking about gender, um, and it's really the foundation of what has become a very liberal um, and very, what's the word, very liberal, aggressive maybe, uh, women's movement, is that women for a very long time in our country and in our society um, were not able, and even many times now, are still not able uh, to live the way God has ordained them to live, to serve the roles that they um, would naturally serve because men have abdicated their roles as men. Um, and so when you have movements like the current crazy um, feminist movement that's going on right now, what it really is a result of is not uh, women being oppressed, uh, but men failing to show up meaningfully in their roles as men 
um, and women having to take up the slack. And that's what we've seen across the last three or four generations of Americans. Um, and this is where we've ended up. And if we're going to fix the problem, the world's solution to that problem is going to be, you know, men, are better, or men and women are either saying men and women are the same. Of course men and women are equal. We are all equal in God's eyes, and we all deserve to be respected and treated that way. Um, so don't let this ever be about men being better than women or women being second-class citizens or uh, men and women not being equal. Anyone that tells you otherwise is a fool, okay? Now, God has created men and women different, and he's given us different roles in the kingdom of God, and he's laid out what those roles mean, and he has in Scripture given men the authority of the household. But we misunderstand God's intentions if we say that the husband is quote-unquote in charge of his wife, um, or if uh, you know the woman should you know, give a, like, give undying love and respect to the husband. When we say things like that, it might even not necessarily be wrong, but it's, it's definitely misled. Um, we, when we talk about Christian manhood, when we talk about young men in particular, uh, the second thing that Paul taught young men is to be submissive to authority, okay? But we also immediately then, after we talk about being submissive to authority, talk about the idea that there are plenty of men in our lives and many men around us who have not earned the right to have, you know, uh, influence over us, okay? There are going to be men in our lives who we don't submit to because they have no authority over us either by their behavior or by their position. There are going to be men around us who we do not want to emulate. There are going to be men around us who lead us into sin, and we do not give them the respect and uh, honor that we would give a godly man who is leading us closer to our Heavenly Father. That doesn't mean that we publicly you know, shame and disrespect them. It doesn't mean that we um, rebel against them, even necessarily like if it's a boss or something like that. We still treat them with love and respect, but they don't get to have influence over our lives. And the same thing is true with women, okay? Women also can choose whether or not they are submissive. Now, by the law of God, they are asked to be submissive to their husbands, but their husbands are supposed to love them the way Christ loved the church, not only um, willing to give up their lives for their wives, if that comes to it, but every day dying to self and living for the good of their wives and their families. To be completely selfless and live solely for the good of their lives, of their wives and their families. Their lives, once they get married, men's lives are no longer about themselves, what they want, what they desire, what they hope for. It is now about me taking care of the woman in my life and in the future the children in my life. That's my purpose as a man. Now, I'm going to have other vocations. I'm going to have other purposes beyond that. But that's my purpose. Once I've married a woman, that is my role. Okay? And she, by God, has been asked to submit to me. But I better make that submission very easy. I better make that submission an honor and a privilege, not a chore. And if I make it difficult for her to be submissive to me, that's my own darn fault. And it's sin. And I need to change that.
okay? So when we talk about the roles of men and women, we're not talking about first class and second class citizens. We're not talking about um, a dictator in the home. We're not talking about any of those things. We're definitely not talking about the idea that women ought to be in the home, that their place is in the kitchen, that women shouldn't work outside of the home. None of those are biblical ideas and concepts. In fact, just the opposite is true. If you read Proverbs 31, you're going to see a woman who actively works outside the home, who is industrious, who makes her own money, who uh, loves and supports her husband, yes, but she has her own enterprises and she has her own adventures and she has her own roles. She puts family first, just like the husband puts family first, but she is not owned or possessed by a husband. She's honored to take a place in his family because he loves and respects her so much. And that's a very different thing than demanding a woman be subordinate, okay? Um, and so, with that in mind, as we talk about becoming men after God's own heart, um, as we talk about becoming uh, the men that God created us to be, we should keep in mind that um, a very large part of that is my ability to fulfill my role as the humble and selfless servant who gives even of his own life to care for the women in his life um, and the women around him. That's not because they are weak and they need it. Um, it's not because women aren't complete without men or men aren't complete without women. It's none of those things. Um, the marriage between a man and a woman is supposed to be a picture of Christ's love for us. And we should be totally given over to each other, even unto death. Okay? Um, so again, as we dig into Christian masculinity and manhood, um, and we talk about restoring masculinity... Uh, it's just as important that we restore Christian womanhood. Um, and that doesn't mean that we go back to like the 50s housewives. It means that we go back to Scripture. And we look at what does God say about women in Scripture. And uh, Jesus, I'm sure you've heard this before, but Jesus, you could argue, did more for women's rights and women's roles than any other figure in history. You look at the way Jesus interacted with women, the way he broke down barriers between uh, men and women, the way he depended upon women for his service, and even um, in the early church, some of the strongest leaders and greatest donors and uh, most powerful influences in the early Christian church were women of God, and that didn't change. Um, even in the Old Testament, you see uh, many different pictures of strong women who are in love with the Lord, who do righteous things and are praised for it. And we should have that same attitude. And so as we uh, learn to be men after God's own heart, it's so that we might better serve the women in our lives. Um, and then uh, a lot of times we'll talk about the idea of, um, I, one of my favorite books by John Eldridge is called Wild at Heart. And we'll talk about that concept a lot. If you listen to my podcast, um, if you listen to the way we talk on the broadcasts, if you watch the Agogi videos, we talk about, um, kind of getting back to our primal selves often because, again, it is a significant part of the way God created us. He has not created men to be domestic and soft. He created us just the opposite. And in generations past and in centuries past, um, it played a more dominant role in our daily lives, that violence um, that men participate in, than it often does now as Americans. Uh, but Say, talking to uh, my buddy Costia, 
who has been on a broadcast a bunch of different times from Ukraine. And war is a very real thing over in Ukraine every single year. Um, and he's, I mean, frankly, constantly worried about whether or not he's going to get drafted into the military. Okay, it's a very real thing, and we're only one or two generations, maybe even not that, away from that being a very real thing in the United States. If you look at history, um, if you look at history, dynasties only last so long, right? Empires only last so long, and while we are continually blessed by our um, American lifestyle, and it continues to be the greatest country in the world, and I'm not saying that in the next generation or two, the United States is going to fall. I don't believe that at all. I think we're going to face a lot of uh, uh, revolution and change. Maybe not violent revolution, but I actually think we're going to come back to God. I think we're going to get way out there and way liberal, and there will be a revival of Christianity in the United States. Um, but um, we are going to become less safe. There are going to be more wars in the future. There will always be wars, and there will always be a war on the horizon, and we need to recognize that. Um, and so if we completely lose... Um, our identity as warriors, the day will come when we need to be warriors and there will be no warriors to be found. Um, if we abandon our roles as the leaders of our households um, and as protectors of our families, the day will come when our households need strong leaders and protectors and we will not be able to fulfill those roles. Um, and even if you and I never face a violent day in our lives, even if no one ever comes through that front door, even if um, even if we never have to go off to war, even if um, there's a revival right now and everybody turns back to Jesus and things are blessed and wonderful, there will still be generations in the future where rough men will have to do good on the behalf of those that they love. And we need to be prepared for that. Um, one of my favorite ways to talk about that is the idea of a stallion, right? Um, in the American West, you have two different groups of horses, right? Especially if you look at the old uh, American West, like around the turn of the century, so the, after the Civil War and before automobiles, right? Um, in the American West, there were two different kind of uh, breeds of horses. They are the Mustangs, and there were domestic horses. And the domestic horses mostly came from the East, and those domestic horses were very useful in pulling carts and buggies. Um, they got people across the United States, um, and into the western parts of the world. They were great at plowing uh, fields. They were great at doing all the domestic things that we need horses to do. But cowboys cannot ride domesticated horses from the east. Cowboys had to ride Mustangs. And they would go out and they would it'd make great money um, going out and wrangling Mustangs and finding Mustangs um, and then busting Broncos. Same thing in the cavalry. War horses, you can't make a war horse out of a domestic horse. It's just not possible. So they find wild horses. They still do this to this day. Find wild horses. They find Mustangs. They tame them um, and they teach them you know, to be saddle broken and all that. And then they take them out and they use them. Um, even police horses and things like that nowadays are descendant from the Mustangs, usually not one or two generations uh, past. Even racehorses, thoroughbreds, quarter horses, they're all descendant from American Mustangs, those wild horses. And the reason that is, is that um, while those domesticated horses are easy to work, much easier to work with, they're docile, you can have them around children, um, they're family friendly, and they are all those things, but... When your life is on the line, um, when your livelihood is on the line, um, when the health of the horse and even the health of your family is on the line, you need a horse 
that has some testosterone running through his veins. I don't know if horses have testosterone or not, but you get the idea, right? You need a horse that is wild at heart, okay? If you're riding through the Grand Canyon, um, being chased by Native American warriors, you would far rather be on a Mustang than on a domesticated horse from the East. If you are chasing down steers that are on the open plains, um, they're never gonna be able to keep up they're never going to be able to survive the journey. They're not going to be able to survive the abuse that they go through um, while wrangling steers, while doing cowboy stuff. Um, only a Mustang can do that. And that's the way we need to look at men. Um, there are men who live their entire lives domesticated and soft, and frankly, they're even kind of happy the whole time. Uh, but they also never really live. Uh, and when difficult times come, they often will fold and they will fall apart and they might recover someday but when we've all seen the middle-aged crisis right the, the midlife crisis is very real in america we've seen men fall apart i don't want that to happen to me i don't want that to happen to you and if that happens to too many men our nation will be lost it's just the truth um, and so my encouragement right now is very young men is to go do hard things to go uh, make sure that you maintain a little bit of your wildness, that you live the way God created men to live, so that when the day comes that we must be tested, um, we will be measured and weighed and found worthy of the tests that God sends our way, of the missions that God sends us on, of the work He has prepared for us, um, and not shy away from that work because we don't have any experience doing difficult things, but to be prepared for it, to be ready for it, and to be able to serve faithfully in whatever role the Lord throws at us along the way. And the best place to do that is by digging into Scripture. Books are great. I read lots and lots and lots of books. I have lots of book suggestions, and I've already put some books up on the website. I'm going to keep adding more books up on the website that I think all young men should read because they're great. But the most important book you can read is the Bible. You go dig through the Old Testament, you will see stories of men who live the way I'm telling you to live right now. If you read through the New Testament, you will see Jesus and his apostles living the way I'm telling you to live right now. They weren't nice guys. They weren't passive and soft. They definitely had all the fruits of the Spirit. They were kind, gentle, joyful, patient, loving. But they were definitely wild men, men after God's own heart, who lived out their calling as men of God, who were not domesticated and soft, but were strong and ready for every task that the Lord threw their way. That's what I want from you. That's where I want to take you. So God bless you. I love you, fellas. Go be the men that God created you to be. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching them how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, 
or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we'll be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.